You're listening to the Screaming Pods Network. Well, hello out there. Um, we have our good friend Jay Baker. Um, we're interviewing for the Sacred Collective. And um, Caleb has done a couple of interviews solo that I couldn't be there, but we're both here to interview Jay. Jay um, comes sometimes when his schedule allows the Sacred Collective, but I thought it'd be cool to get to just pick Jay's brain for a little bit out there and for all you listeners. So Jay, you ready for some questions? Yeah. For some of for, for some of our listeners who don't know you, briefly describe if you can your background, where you grew up, faith background, whatever oh you feel like whatever you feel like saying or not saying, it's fine. Um I grew up I was born and lived in Charlotte, North Carolina till I was 11. Um Grew up Assemblies of God. My parents ran a mega church. We were televangelists. Um, had our own private school. Had bodyguards. Lived in a really surreal world. And um, it was a weird life until scandal hit in the 80s, in like 87. And then I was 11 years old when all that happened and everything kind of fell apart. Um, but yeah, so I grew up there and then moved around a lot between Florida and Atlanta, Georgia, and um, California for a little bit. So I moved around as a kid. And, yeah, so that was the early part of my life was was a lot of that. And that's where I got a lot of my religious background with the Assemblies of God was from that. Awesome. So... You are a pastor of Revolution, which is here in Minneapolis. How did Revolution start, and what would you say the evolution of Revolution is right now? Um, it started in, I want to say, 94 in Phoenix, Arizona. It was me and a bunch of kids from uh, this thing called Master's Commission. Me and some friends who wanted to start a church to people who didn't fit into church. But it was also, funny thing is also coming from an Assemblies of God background ministry. So it was just kind of, you know, look cool for Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that evolved over the years to a message of grace and a message of acceptance and a message of... of uh, eventually a conclusion but yeah you know it, it started there then we went to atlanta for a while we were in california for a smidgen then back to atlanta then new york for seven years and now here for i guess almost five how long did it get you like to get to the inclusion part of that story well, I mean, it slowly happened, you know. I mean, it was slowly happening as the message of grace was coming in, mm-hmm. which was yeah. kind of right away. Yeah. I mean, in, within the first couple of years, that was happening. The real inclusiveness, I guess, came when I was like, oh, I'm LGBTQ affirming. Oh, you know, I don't believe in hell and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And that probably took 10, 15 years mm-hmm. to kind of get. Is inclusion like inevitable with grace, do you think? I don't know. I mean, I would say it is, but then you know, you got a lot of a lot of really 
conservative churches that are mm. love you know talk about grace all the time but stay super conservative mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. just a buzzword for them yeah, yeah. or yeah. it's that predestination so mm. you know of course grace is for the only the chosen God's chosen <laughs> so you hear that word a lot so I don't know if it's inevitable it'd be nice if it was yeah I think it I think it is somewhat of a slippery slope which is nice I remember the YouTube video I'm sure, I forget what year it is maybe it was 2005 and you were preaching and I think it was a predominantly African American church and it was that the first time you kind of outspokenly came out for GLBTQ rights the Grace Community was it yeah. was the Grace Community yeah. one no that wasn't the first time um, but it was one of the first times I guess I had said it in not not my own church mm-hmm. setting yeah they were shocked by that video. Yeah, yeah. They got, they were like, "Come on, amen!" And then yeah. he said, and then it, all they were sudden, just like silence. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really weird. It was, uh, yeah, that was a tough day because it was as awkward as it seems. People asked if it was edited or things like that, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm like, "Was well, it edited a little bit?" But it was just as awkward, if not more awkward, than when you watch it because I had to sit there through. Hmm. The whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. Just the awkwardness, quietness, and I wasn't done with my talk. And knowing that there were, you know, gay folks in the room who were also feeling the awkwardness much worse than I was, was tough too, mm-hmm. you know. But they're an open, affirming church now, so. Well, they are. Yeah. Wow. Was that a Baptist church? No, it was non-denominational. non I was going to say if it was an evangelical church being open and well, affirming, that would be huge. It was a friend I mean, of mine. Non is kind of a, a form of evangelical, well, I think. In some ways, I, I guess. Yeah, a friend of mine pastored the church, and he he was definitely taking it in that direction. Mm-hmm. Did he know what you were going to say before you said it? Did he know that that was your? He was said no. I mean, he was in the audience, and he's like, "Say it, say it." Like he was like encouraging me to wow. say it. Wow! Oh wow! So I did. Yeah. Maybe you were the catalyst. That, yeah, right. Uh, That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. But he came to our church. You know, I was asked whenever DE would come to our church, I'd ask him to say stuff that was. He was make people uncomfortable or make people, you know, that he wanted to say and didn't feel like he could say, right. you know. So I guess we both liked to test the water of each other's church. I have a weird question for you. What if everyone were comfortable with? the stuff you're preaching right now would you just be would you just fit in with the norm or would you find something else to be confrontational about I don't know I feel like everybody's already comfortable with what I'm saying now you know I mean a lot up here but yeah Yeah. up here in Minnesota not back in the in the Bible Belt (laughs) so you know it's you know I don't get invited to all the festivals and things like that because I feel like I'm not saying anything new or radical you know Mm mm-hmm so, yeah. but when you started, it was new. Yeah, like there wasn't. I can't think of an affirming church from when I saw your first like Larry King interview. Yeah, your first like Joy Bear interview. That was like change. That was shaking up shit. I guess. I mean, there were churches. You know, there were churches, but they just weren't prominent. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there were a lot of open and affirming churches, but. And people who I got to meet who encouraged me to come out as an ally, mm-hmm. you know, 
So I was grateful for that. You know, and I think now those folks have more of a voice. So I, you know, my voice isn't as needed as it used to be, mm. which is fine. I mean, that's kind of why you do it. That's kind of the point, right? Yeah. 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 That's the point. If you're a good ally, you don't need to be an ally anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You can work yourself out of the ally business. Right. Was that a trip just being like asked to be on those shows where you just like, because I, I know that if someone asked me like, hey, we want you to be on, it would be different. I thought, I think it would be cool and nerve wracking to be like on a local like news. But when you're on something that's national yeah. and it's sometimes even international, were you like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Or like, this is just what I have to say. It happens slowly. And with my parents, used being used to my parents being on such a broad spectrum, mm-hmm. I mean, just a huge, they had such a huge platform when I was a kid mm-hmm. growing up on television. Mm-hmm. I was used to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens, it happens slowly, so it didn't happen overnight. Right. So it wasn't one of those things where I was like, what? I can't believe this is happening. It was just one of those things where it was like the slow build. You know, I think I was shocked when people were curious what I had to say apart from my parents. Mm-hmm. Mm, right. That's when that was kind of like, oh, yeah. you know, when they were inviting me on and they were not asking me to bring my parents on, or they weren't, you know, and I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. Mm. It's not just they don't want just, you know, your parents. They just want you and they want your voice. Yeah. So that was interesting. Mm-hmm. And that happened too when I was writing more in my last two books. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. You have three out, right? Yep. You can never write any more? I'd like to, but I just don't know when that'll that'll happen. I mean, having two kids keeps me really busy. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you write about? Like, what book is in your head that you haven't written yet? I don't know. I'd like to write something on being in the ministry and dealing with depression mm-hmm. and also what that affects people in your life that you love and care about. Mm-hmm. But... I've kind of pitched that once to somebody and they said, oh, that's thing's been done already or it's been done too much. So we'll see what happens. Right. I mean, I'm I'm in no rush right now. I mean, I'm with my depression being kind of at a peak right now in my life. I'm trying to learn, learn to cope with that more mm-hmm. and not put everything, you know, I'm not in a rush to get any books on the on out or... Right. Anything like that. I mean, I'm glad to do the stuff that I do. I'm glad to do the Loosen the Bible Belt tour, and I'm glad to do Revolution, you know, and mm-hmm. come out to Collective, Sacred Collective when I can, and, you know, just taking it easy. Mm-hmm. How did uh, Loosen the Bible Belt come, come about? Like, who did, were you approached about that, or did no, somebody... Nice segue. You didn't even look at my question. We have the that, same. That was a nice right one. We're on the same level, man. Um, I was approached and about about it, and Kristen Becker, um, a comedian, approached me. She said she had she liked what I was doing, and I guess she had seen some of the stuff from the documentary One Punk Under God. And uh, she's like, yeah, let's do something. I didn't, you know, I was like, I hear this kind of stuff all the time. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, let's go on the road and do something. I right. didn't think it would happen. But she was really mm-hmm. made it happen. You know, before I knew it, I was in a van with her and another comedian wow. and a musician. So as an out LGBTQ individual, she approached you yeah. as a pastor yeah. to join her on her tour. Yeah. 
This is a lot, man. That's a lot. That's heavy. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's a big, big deal, and I yeah. really, I love doing it. We're doing it again in November, and this will be our fourth time out, fourth or fifth time out, going on tour. So yeah, it's it's pretty fun. You know, it could be anywhere. It can be full house to five or six people. You know, you don't know what you're going to get with that tour. Mm-hmm, and right, then you get people, right. you know. I last last tour I got a lot of people who pushed back, you know, and had some hecklers, and that was interesting. To so what you were saying? To what I was saying, yeah. Mm. But of course, the preacher gets the hecklers. Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. I mean, not that. Yeah, I can't blame the people really. Right. I'm coming into their bars, yeah. their comedy clubs. Yeah, <laughs> I'm talking about Jesus. What? Yeah. We're trying to get away from Jesus. Right. Yeah. The pastor on stage at a bar talking about Jesus. So. I know. I remember tweeting at Kristen and saying that they should do a loose in the Midwest belt Bible belt because I know it's more prevalent with that kind of conservative ideology. But I was just thinking, I'm like, you go to like small town Minnesota, you go to mm-hmm. South Dakota or Iowa. There's a lot of conservative people there. And then she wrote back, maybe that's in the works, like down the road. Because I think isn't she like from up north originally? Yep. Like she lives in New York or something like that. Buffalo. So it's like loose in the Bible. Like maybe she can do an offshoot of like mm-hmm. loose in the Midwest yeah. Bible Belt because mm-hmm. there's definitely definitely that there. We'll yeah. see. Maybe. Everybody needs some loosening. Yeah. yeah. It, wouldn't, it wouldn't hurt anybody to loosen the belt. Thou are loosed. <laughs> do you have some, I have some more questions, but do you have any yeah, you prob, probing? Probing. I can't talk. It's been a long day. Um, Jay, you recently started seminary. Or you've been in there for a little bit. How has seminary impacted your faith um, in different ways? Um, definitely a lot more questions. Makes me question more. Mm. It's theologians, you know. Just studying theologians is confusing enough because they all have such different ideas and such Like such particular mm. scriptures that they'll they base their theology off of, mm-hmm. you know, and some of them are like only off the gospels or only off Paul, you know, and then some see the Bible as, you know, just as a good book or as a book mm-hmm. of, you know, mythology, you know, and just these things that you don't realize these guys believe. Mm-hmm. And or they just have to write off a whole part of something else to take on to what they're doing and then you know then you have another theologian that comes along five years later who's just like totally rewriting everything and disagreeing with what that person just said mm. you know so it's like one of these things where you just like no one ever seems to settle every it seems to be a constant critique you know so that's challenging to 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 see because I went in there thinking I'd get more sermon ideas and now I feel like I just get less yeah. you know like my brain just gets eaten up by it it's a tough it's tough I want I know why people go to seminary and lose their faith or don't want anything to do with the church afterwards yeah right you know uh, it makes complete sense yeah if you this is maybe this is like too heavy but if you were on a desert island and you never had been exposed to western culture what do you think your theology would be it, would you believe in a God? 
if you'd just been born on, on some random island and never been exposed to any ideas from theologians or from churches or anything like that? Like, what, what would you believe if you just saw the world without any filter of... Uh, of culture or theology. I mean, I'm sure if I grew up in a Muslim home, I'd be Muslim. Yeah. You know what I mean? But what about without that? I don't know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'd probably be without that. I'd probably believe in whatever weird thing we believed in. The coconut god. Yeah. You know? <laughs> what is it? The flying spaghetti monster? Like that. <laughs> a spaghetti island. You'd, yeah, you'd believe in that. So, you know, I don't know. You know, it's, uh, you know, maybe some missionaries would come to my island and convert you convert me yeah. i don't know tell me about this jesus fellow you're talking <laughs> yeah. about oh he sounds interesting no i remember too as someone being in seminary because i grew up the same way you did jay and i thought when i was at north central university i was even like i was super liberal there mm. or at least what they thought compared was, to them what yeah. they thought was mm-hmm. liberal and then i get to bethel and they were like oh that's so funny you think you're liberal and mm-hmm. By the time I left there, just having different classes, and obviously when you're at seminary, it's strictly just like Bible classes, not like your math elective or your gym elective, but just being immersed in like hermeneutics, you know, which is the art yeah. and science of interpretation, and then mm-hmm. having Old Testament classes and like three or four systematic theologies we have to do. And I agree with what Jay said, is like the more and more you go there, in a lot of ways you want to pat yourself on the back to be like, oh, they're going to build me up to be this man or woman of God and, and, and to, you know, help me think about faith better. And in a lot of ways they do, but sometimes you just walk away. And I remember walking out of class and being like, what the hell do I believe? Because like when I was in college, it would be, you'd meet three days a week for like an hour maybe or mm-hmm. 45 minutes. When you're in seminary, usually it's one day a week and it's like three or four hours. Of like intense class where, you know, the professor's up there talking about whatever theologian or whatever view. And sometimes I remember would go home and I would say to like my mom, I'm like, the stuff we talk about in seminary and where I went to seminary was is considered a conservative seminary. But I mean, I remember going home and saying the stuff we're talking about in seminary is like five to ten years ahead of what the church is talking about. <laughs> because I said, we're the individuals, the men and women that are going to be that our ministers will be in ministry and so we're like on the front lines being like this is what we're doing and then the years later it trickles on down to like because i remember some of the stuff that we were talking about in seminary you know mm-hmm. now being out of seminary for a number of years that some of that stuff's now kind of getting into mm-hmm. quote unquote you know the big church so yeah, yeah. That it is a trip, I'll tell you that. I have a question for both of you guys. Actually, I'm going to start interviewing both of you because <laughs> I changed it up, baby. <laughs> will the church, capital C, will the Catholic Church with the capital C ever be fully LGBTQ affirming, like it is now fully race affirming? Like at at one point, to be Christian was to be white in the in the Western world. Will the church ever be fully LGBTQ affirming as it is race affirming? I, I can't even say gender affirming because that ties in too. But will it ever, do you think it will ever be fully affirming? No. I don't think so. No. Okay. I think I'll be dead by the time it is. Mm. I don't think it will. I, I hope it will. Yeah. I don't think it will. I'm hopeful that it would be. Mm-hmm. And I think. 
a lot of us, especially more progressive Christians, would say that they would hope. But I don't think in my lifetime or my kids' or grandchildren's life that that would happen because I think there's so many people who are who call themselves Christians and whatever you know stripe of Christianity they believe in, but that are still so built up in hate. Well, and they don't they wouldn't look at it as hate, yeah. but they would just look at it as their they would take their views or their prejudices and say that that's truth. Mm-hmm. So you know I have family who are like I have no problem with someone being gay or a lesbian or transgender. Mm-hmm. Like they're like I don't have any problem with that. However, I don't want them to be my minister. I don't want them to be whatever. And I would look at them and I'm like, well, then you're not affirming who they are as a human right. being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're saying, well, I don't care who they marry or who they want to be with or sleep with, but I, I don't, I have an issue with them. And so you're not fully investing in them and accepting in them as a right. human being. Mm-hmm. And I think the church universal mm-hmm. needs to accept Everyone and when churches say that they, I, I think it's so ironic when churches are like, er, you know, everyone's welcome here, and then you go in there, and <laughs> yeah. then it's like, then through the sermons they're like, gay people are evil, or if you had an abortion, you're going to hell, and this, and it's like, well, then you're you have to take your sign it's down. False advertising. Yeah, you have to take yeah. your sign down because you're not accepting everyone. Yep, they're accepted to change. Yeah. See, you both saying. Would your binary answer be no to that? I hope. You hope, yeah. I mean, I really do hope. I really. I don't like binaries either myself. I, I really do hope, it. so I don't know. I mean, part of me didn't think that see the things would change as fast as they have in the, just the past ten years. So mm-hmm. you never know. Who knows? Maybe we'll see. You know, people I do, changed. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Because, I mean, I, I remember even growing up in the Assemblies of God myself from when I was a kid. Because I remember my dad at my home church was asked to be a deacon in the church. And my dad grew up a strict Lutheran. And, you know, he didn't care really what denomination he was when we had when he had kids. And I remember the, the, the pastor, actually, of the church came up to my dad after service. And, you know, we were a really well-liked family, you know, whatever. And he asked my dad, he was like, Marlon, do you want to be, you know, a deacon? We've thought about it, and I'm coming on behalf of, like, the church board. And my dad started crying, and he's like, I would love to be a deacon, but you wouldn't let me. And they're like, why? And he's like, because I was divorced before marrying Nancy, and my my first wife had, like, left me. Mm. And then real quick like that, he was like, yeah, you're right, sorry, and just, like, left. And that really, like, shocked my dad. Wow. But by the time I got to... And I was probably, like, 9 or 10 when that happened. But by the time I got into college, you know, they had a, what they called district council. And the sum was the God in the district. And as a pastoral major in college, I had to... Part of what we had to do is every year we had to go as, like, a student, you know, person. So it was two days of meetings. And I remember they voted... So the headquarters of the Assemblies of God is in Springfield, Missouri. And instead of coming out as like a decree for all churches across the board in, in, in America, they went like state by state or district by district saying that you guys can choose. And mm-hmm. I remember at the Minnesota level, they were like, yeah, you can be a deacon, you can be a pastor, you can be on the board. Just as, even if you are divorced, that should be a church by church thing. Mm-hmm. However... Um, 
it, it can't just be like, oh, well, we just fell out of love. We don't like each other. It has to be like <laughs> abuse. Right. It has to be um, some on God's checklist. Like, yeah. Well, it's like they, the two reasons they gave are like it has to be abuse or infidelity. Mm-hmm. Those are the only two ways that right. you can do that. I don't agree with that. I think you know, you know, some people fall out of love. It just happens. But for then, for them in their context, that was huge. But I even know now I'm part of a Facebook private group called NCU Liberals, where it's just liberal people who went to North Central who classify themselves as liberal or somehow have an affiliation of North Central, whether they graduated or not. And there's a huge – there's a ton of people at North Central still who are GLBTQ, and they have a new um, new president over there who is supposed to be still a white guy, still an old white guy. Um, they can't just get out of that whole thing. Sure. Um, they're the best. I mean, they're, think, white cis men are the best. I think <laughs> in a lot of ways, though, they're trying to be better. So they're not progressive. I would say, like, my denomination is the UCC, the United Church of Christ, or the United Methodists, or Presbyterians and Lutherans. We're, like, we're getting as progressive as we can and accepting everyone. But for evangelicals, divorce, accepting people who have been divorced, accepting people who... RGLBTQ, slowly you're seeing some pockets mm-hmm. of acceptance. So there is hope, but I think getting entire denominations on board mm. is is a pipe dream. It's not bad to have those dreams, but to see it in reality, is that going to happen? I don't think so, but it starts with one or two people kind yeah. of just mm-hmm. going on. For sure. I don't know if this was a Brian interview. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Thank you. I guess one question I had, too, kind of focusing in on seminary, we could be here all day. This is my last big question. If you want to help come up with some of them, shoot from the hip. Then I have a lightning round at the end. Um, I know you've talked a lot about Tillich as one of your favorite theologians. Do you, is Tillich your main kind of like th- theologian that you gravitate towards? Is there others? You know, as they shaped you in certain ways. Well, I like not so much. I mean, I don't know if you consider Martin Luther King Jr. a theologian, but he's definitely shaped me in a lot of ways. Yeah, his teaching on nonviolence and a lot of his different books. Um, I've been reading, trying to read a little bit of Immanuel Kant. So tough. So good luck. Uh, trying More to like the manual can. Yeah. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish it was a manual can. And uh can't I can't even I can't even start you with them. Can't. So yeah, it's 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 I don't know, it's tough. It's uh, I like these different theologians for different reasons, mm. you know, because they believe in different things and and some have a really high view of scripture and mm-hmm. I like that too like you're talking about Bart at, at, at a recent revolution service and how he takes the bible literally and yet is an inclusivist that was camp I think it was Bart no it was Bart you're right yeah, yeah Sorry. it was Bart Sorry, that was Bart. Apologize. Yeah. Well, because Bart was more of a theologian, and Kant was more of just straight philosopher. I think. Yeah, that's trying to read a lot of Bart too, and that 
Those Europeans, I tell you. Yeah, they're tough to read, but no, I like him because he is, but he was an inclusionist. Mm-hmm. And, so. and you were there to yourself, right? Like when you became affirming, you were still a biblical literalist. Somewhat, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pretty you, much. you were still looking for scriptures to affirm yeah. your affirmation. Yep. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. And so the scriptures brought you to your affirmation, is that correct? My understanding of them did, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So without the Bible, theoretically, within your own timeline, (laughs) without the Bible, you wouldn't be affirming. That's kind of beautiful. That's great. The Bible did allow me to be affirming. That's great. So That's awesome. Hashtag read the Bible. Yeah. It's confusing. (laughs) It's confusing as all get out. Uh, Who is the Old Testament God? Who is that motherfucker? Uh, Is that a voice in your head? Is that a real person? I don't like that. If that's a real person, I don't I like that I just think guy. it's different for different authors and different people writing in the Old Testament. And so, yeah, I think it's complicated. Mm-hmm. I wish there was an easy answer to that. Mm-hmm. But, that but to you, can I ask you that? To, to you who is? There is no one. There's not one Old Testament God. Mm-hmm. And there's different views of what God is and who God is and different perspectives. It starts to hone in a little bit more when you get into the New Testament, but even then you still have some different views of mm-hmm. who God is and what God is. Mm-hmm. I think I remember you said, I think it was at Revolution, um, or maybe it was when I interviewed you for my dissertation, but I think you had said, and what's really helped me think, because I've always... I remember in college going back there getting in trouble because I said the God that we have in the Old Testament and the God we have in Christ in the New Testament, which we're supposed to look at as in the Trinitarian speaking, they're the same, even though they're distinctively two different beings or entities, but that the Old Testament writers were doing the best they could to understand Mm -hmm. who God was. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really helped me. You know, being in seminary as long as I have and being in Sunday school and college, I was like, here's Jay at Revolution, <laughs> probably giving me the most, to me, clear answer, because it mm-hmm. was, because I was like, oh, yeah. that makes sense, because they were, they were, you know, they didn't have God walking on earth in the Old Testament like they did in the New Testament or New Testament times. He was just in the clouds. <laughs> yeah, somewhere out there in <laughs> the in a bush. The, yeah, in a bush. <laughs> yeah, in the clouds. He's just <laughs> sitting on the clouds looking down at us, right. throwing bolts at us. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, I think one story that got me really in the Old Testament that I was like, there's something wrong with this God, this view was when we looked at... Um, was it? I think when they walked around Jericho, or maybe it wasn't Jericho, but on one of them they said the, the the Israelites said God commanded us. So they were saying God, you know, Yahweh commanded us to go in here and literally kill every mm-hmm. living thing. Yeah. So every man, woman, and child, yeah. and, and animals, and animals, and it said, and the Bible was vivid of saying that the the city streets were flowing in blood. Right. And I was like, and then you see that God. And then you see Jesus in the New Testament. It's like turn the other cheek. Yeah, you know, get you know, you know, right. if someone asks you for your coat, you know, give them like all your clothes. It's right. like that God here to this God here. It's like two different gods. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think that's why, and I, even to this day, as being seminary trained and being in the ministry, where when people say. I don't believe in God because of this, and I'll, I'll be with them, and I'll be like high five. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way. I don't, I don't right. get it, and mm-hmm. 
So, yeah, so totally. yeah, the yeah. Old Testament God, I don't think they really had any freaking idea mm-hmm. who that God was. And mm-hmm. I still think churches today, we don't, we can't reconcile. That's a thorn in our side. We can't reconcile the God of the Old Testament to the God that we somehow see in the right. New Testament, whoever that God is. So disregarding the God of the Old Testament and embracing the New Testament God, is there another step to where we disregard the New Testament God and embrace some other step forward? Is there is there a more graceful God than Christ? Is there a more... Like, are we, are we inching towards something we haven't reached yet in our understanding? I mean, there's all that stuff with the death of God movement and radical theology and all that. But you'd have to talk to them. <laughs> I mean, for me, I'm Jesus is where I'm at and where I'm, 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 I'm comfortable with. And is there something beyond that? I mean, when I think beyond that, I think of just nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. non-belief and, and just atheism. So, So atheism is the new God. I mean, maybe for some, yeah. yeah. I mean, not for me, but I think for some. So there you go. You know, I mean, there's atheist Christians, Christian atheists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not a new, that's not the, it's not the most newest thing either. You know, I mean, they were talking about that in the 60s. And, mm-hmm. 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 So. Yeah. So is the ground of being undefinable in its essence? Yeah, I mean, except for it's the ground of being. So it is kind of definable. It's, it's uncomprehendable, yeah. but definable. Oh, I like that. It's getting really philosophical. I know. Yeah, I know. You get a little I go, I go in like two opposite directions all the time. Like I have no here's middle. Here's chaos and here's philosophy. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just I washing wear, so I, I don't know. I keep it pretty basic. I, I, I My brain is enough mush from from my classes and seminary classes. Mm-hmm. Is your class right now that you're in, is that on God? No, it's Introduction to Theology. Oh, it's the second, to Theo. Yeah, it's the second, second one I've taken. Yeah. That class, I just took it with a different professor this time. How much does that change the message, having a, a different professor teaching well, you theology? because you get different theologians, so you get different... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it changes So it's a, a different class altogether. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. And you're going through theologians from European theologians to liberation. We're just getting to liberation theology, and so it completely changes. Mm-hmm. Have you studied like Sobrino? You see in there? Yeah, gonna be Sobrino. A lot of the Latin American theologians. That hopefully, you talk about. Oh, he Oscar Romero wasn't necessarily a theologian. He was a Catholic priest, but mm-hmm. he's pretty sweet. What's What's liberation theology in a tweet? In a In a very confined box. Like what? What? How would you define liberation theology? Brian, how would you? Jay, I'm asking you. You're asking me? Yeah. It's so funny. You take these classes, and before the classes, you could probably do that. And then after you take the classes, you go, like, well, uh, uh. Well, it's hard to describe because it's for the poor. It's yeah. for the. Mm, yep, there it is. Yep. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a theology. Is it of for the, the oppressed? Oppressed. Is it Marxism? It's was Jesus it's, a no, socialist? It's influenced by Marxism. Oh yeah, definitely. Was Jesus a socialist? I, if I if I I remember getting in a conversation with some of my old coworkers and family during the <clears throat> last election that just happened, and I said if Jesus was here as a person walking, 
and everyone knew who Jesus was. You know, like, this is the Son of God walking amongst us. And I said, if, and I don't think Jesus would put, I'm going to talk and, you know, use the term as he, because I feel like Jesus is a he for me. But if he was walking here on earth and he had to go into a political system, just the way he taught was socialistic. Mm -hmm. I feel because he cared about the social things of this day, to care for the widow, the orphan, the poor. Mm -hmm. I feel like his message would looked upon in a more socialistic way. I'm not saying he would be a socialist, Mm -hmm. but I feel like we always have to put people in labels as human beings, and I feel like most people would Mm -hmm. label him as a socialist because what he did was so radical. The ironic thing to me is he wasn't necessarily politically plugged in like the Messiah was expected to be. But he was – his message was socialist. Like he, he was about, like you said, like taking care of the, the widow from the poor. But it wasn't necessarily like, oh, the government needs to do this. It was like people need to do this just in general. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's the end of my question. Do you have any more questions before I go on? Not right now. Probably, <laughs> probably later. You know, we only have to be here a certain amount of time. Right. So this isn't a question, Jay, and- but this is more, if I can say this. Um, this was more kind of growing up in the Assemblies of God. Um, there was not a lot of theologians or a lot of, I don't know, people in faith that I could look up to. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, whatever. And being a teenager, child and a teenager growing up in churches can be very awkward and weird. Oh, yeah. But growing up in my family, like my mom grew up AG, my grandparents were AG. And of course, I grew up. Hearing about PTO, hearing about the Bakers, because you guys were big. Like, yeah. that was that was like the family name growing up in the eighties. And I mean, my parent, my grandparents would give to PTO and all that stuff. And so then, you know, I heard about Cornerstone and I heard Jay was talking there, and got your book, Son of a Preacher Man. And I was like, I remember going to my parents. I'm like, who's this radical guy? Because <laughs> to me, I was like, he, he's on the cover. You kind of had that pose. Where you had your tattoos, and I was like, and I like I've always wanted to get into tattoos. You can ask my mom. I was like twelve or thirteen, be like, I want a tattoo. They were like, what kind of weird question is this? I wanted to be a, two years before that. I wanted to be a baseball player. Like I wanted to be a baseball player, and now I want to be this tattooed guy. And I remember like reading your book, and then going out to the rest of my family. I'm like, this guy's in the group AG. You know who the Bakers are, and they're like, yeah, we we know who Jim and Tammy Faye are. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's his. That's their son. And then uh, some, I don't know who, but someone at North Central was like, oh, I work at Eden Prairie, the Assembly of God, which is a good suburb here, and that you were coming to speak. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. And so I was like, I got to go. I got to go. And I remember going down there and being just blown away by what you were saying on Grace because no one was talking about yeah. it at the time. And so that's kind of like how I trace back knowing who you were. And then from then on, listening to like Revolution, like before they were like podcasts, they were just like on iTunes, I think, or yeah. mm-hmm. you just downloaded like proto podcasts, like, yeah, 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 just pre pre podcast. Yeah. Uh-huh. And but no, so like I've, I've followed you in what your work was because I was like, here's someone doing what I think is important. You know, here's someone who's tattooed. Here's someone who listens to the same kind of music I do, like Social Distortion and you know punk rock. And I remember what you like. I can just look up around the other people. I can remember I was eighteen, and now I'm thirty five. Good lord! 
And remember just people like being like, this guy is like, he's saying some pretty cool stuff. And that stuck with me. So even as an 18 year old teenager, what you were saying about grace and acceptance and inclusion has stayed with me to this day. So that's cool. So thank you, sir. Do you realize how fucking important you are, Jay? Nope. If I did, I wouldn't high five over here. So that's why though, like a prophet doesn't know he's a prophet. Yeah. Well, and I, I'm just, I'll, I'll just say this once right now. Like, you... You are so fucking influential, man. Like, the, the words you said needed to be... If there's anything that's God-breathed, which I'm not convinced of, I'm not even convinced there is a God, but if there's anything that is God-breathed, it's coming out of your fucking vocal cavity. There's Caleb right here yeah. in the chaos. The I'm being real. No, I know, I know. It's like, real and raw. That's why... I, you already know this, but that's why I am in this state right now is because of the words that you say to other people. Yeah. Because of the points that you make. This is making you uncomfortable, isn't it? A little bit. Yeah. That's okay. Uh, okay. That's cool. Right. I appreciate I'm it. Trying I'm, I'm trying positive. to be positive. Uh, you are being positive. You're being very nice. And I'm, and I, don't, and I just don't know how to take a compliment sometimes. Okay. That's but no, I appreciate it. I appreciate what you're saying. Should I stop? No, I'm just saying it's just, you know, I'm in a place in my life right now where things don't feel as feel like that you I know? Oh, yeah, I understand that you know yeah, it's yeah, like I understand I struggle bringing in people to come to church on Sundays and yeah. struggle to try to keep a church running yeah. and, and it's hard we should say this too it's, it's, it's hard when the majority of your congregation isn't visible yeah when the majority of your congregation is online yeah it's really yeah. tough mm-hmm. it's yeah. just like it's right. weird I, ha- I actually had this thought the other day. You talk sometimes about just making revolution exclusively online, yep. just making it a podcast. Yep. But like it kind of already is, but with spectators. Yeah, it's like you're you're doing a podcast, but you have spectators. So how would that be a downgrade? Like you'd be doing the same thing, only there's like a handful of people th- of people there who are appreciating what you're saying in real time. I don't see it as a downgrade or an upgrade. I'm just trying to figure out what works more best. More convenient, yeah. Yeah, what's mm-hmm. what's practical. What's most practical yeah. for the situation. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Um, I don't have any more besides the lightning round. All right. Lightning round. Um, I didn't make this too weird. <laughs> Some lightning rounds can be just kind of almost too personal or too off the wall. So what brought you to Minnesota? My wife got a job here that's what brought me to minnesota because i know because you're you're from the south originally and then went up to new york then i remember when you had posted something i think it was online or the revolution new york website and you're like big news and you were like cryptic about it and you were like we're moving to minneapolis i was like why are you guys moving to minneapolis like (laughs) i I was excited but i was like what because i knew you and your wife were not from here yeah no she got a job that she really loved so we moved here well we're glad you're here yeah yeah no shit thank you um so favorite meal of all time that's really tough yeah i'm vegetarian now so of all time so it could include (laughs) meat could include meat yeah if you were stuck on a deserted island and you could only have one meal Uh would you live or die (laughs) (laughs) and then what what would that meal be yeah Man, I don't think about food that much. Um, I think about it too much. <laughs> Taco Bell, Taco yeah, Bell. Yeah, no, I do love Taco Bell. I do love bean burritos. Um, I'm going to have to take a pass on that one. I don't know. 
So bean burritos is your <laughs> <laughs> Bean burritos from Taco Bell. <laughs> this podcast brought to you by Taco Bell. Run for the border. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> That's there. Did we get back to the border again? Yeah. Oh, oh stop. No. Boo. Favorite place to visit? To uh, visit? To visit? I like to visit New York. Um, visit could be like vacation or if you money was no option or time was no option, you could just be like, this is where I want to go. I mean, I'd like to visit Hawaii. But <laughs> it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. So when the kids are out of the house, yeah, is heaven in Hawaii? Oh my it's gosh, maybe. <laughs> if heaven, paradise. If heaven is anywhere on the globe, where is it? In New York City. Okay, got it. <laughs> I want to go back to New York City myself. Everyone's just like, "Fuck you!" Hey, where's my cab? Yeah. Uh, I got a pizza pie over here. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it's that's like. Heaven. That's heaven. That's <laughs> heaven. <laughs> Nobody takes it personally, though, so it's good. Flicking someone off. Where's yeah. my pizza pie? Yeah, that's heaven. That's important. I'm glad we came to this conclusion. Okay, you guys can make fun of me because I'm the only native Minnesotan here. This is yeah. more funny. Uh, my wife makes fun of me. So answer this very carefully. Uh, is it duck, duck, goose or duck, duck, gray duck? Oh, my gosh. I have no idea. I've never heard of gray duck. I've never heard of gray duck either, but I know it's something to do with Minnesotans. Tell us you about Grey Duck, Brian. Hurt me. You just well, you set know, us up for this. Is that the local? Game, yes. The, well, the game, you know, if you've ever played the game... Oh, Duck, yeah. Duck, Goose? Duck, Duck, Goose. Yeah. They did it in elementary school, and you sit in a circle. Mm-hmm. Do you ever remember the game, like, Heads Up, Seven? Oh, of heads course, up, yeah, seven yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. It's like that, but this is a old... This goes back hundreds of years, and you sit around in a circle, and, you know, your eyes are closed, and then they pick the teacher, whoever picks a student, and you go around, and you say, Duck duck mm-hmm. and then whenever it lands on goose that person's it and then it's just this it more or less was just a stupid game however out of the 50 states the only state that plays duck duck gray duck is minnesota we're the only state in the whole country that's that a does setup. It. you already know we're gonna say goose but you guys are in minnesota now so <laughs> yeah. you live so here, the next time i play duck duck goose <laughs> say gray i'll duck. say gray duck well, and it's so it's it's funny because I don't I, I always razz people because like my mom's from Wisconsin, my dad was from South Dakota, and my I've wife's seen from South Dakota. shirts that say "Gray Duck" on it. Yeah, so if you see Minnesotans, um, that'll say it's Gray Duck. It sounds gray a duck. lot more racist than <laughs> but Gray Duck. It, Black man. It just no, the reason it's Minnesota. Gray duck, I think the re- quack quack. Yeah, Gray um, Duck. What do you think I said? But distinguishing a duck from a gray duck sounds pretty racist. You're being too No, but yeah, and I mean it's so it's funny because like my wife will even joke, like, when our daughter gets older, I'm gonna teach her duck duck goose. I said she will literally be made fun of in Minnesota. It's really? Like, it's yeah, like that. It is wow. that it's kinda like being a Packers fan in Minnesota. I see. People are gonna be like, Why the hell are you a Packers fan? Like go to Wisconsin. Interesting. I knew you were probably gonna get the reaction but of like But they're Packer bars. Yeah, there is a Packer bar. There's several Packers bars. Which yeah, is, which is really weird. There's a Packer bar not too far from my apartment now, and then where I'm moving. I think there's a Bears bar down in downtown St. Paul. Is is Brian Lake Bowl considered a Packers bar? I don't know. I don't know. I know there's a Gabe's in the park over in Como Park. That's a huge Packers bar. It's so funny to call them Packers bars. Like, when will the church be Grey Duck affirming? <laughs> That's my question. <laughs> 
In Minnesota, it already, it already is. is. Yeah, Minnesota. In all the other states, not oh, so much. Guys. Not so much. I got nothing else. Do you got anything else? Um, I think that we should probably wipe out all gray ducks from the surface of the earth. I think that they're an abomination. I think they need to go. I think you're just a bigot. Is there really gray ducks? Yeah, look it up. There's gray ducks. Are they geese or are they something separate? Pretty much it's a geese. It's a goose. We'll see that's a goose, but it's oh. geese. The, the ones sense. that you see about by the lake. Well, that, I think Minnesotans, we get so worked up because we know it's, it's goose. But it just rhymes and flows off the tongue better if you say duck duck gray duck. Like duck duck gray duck. But if you say duck duck goose, it just sounds really funny if you say duck duck goose. I don't know. I've been saying goose my whole life, so it doesn't seem that funny. Well, I think Minnesotans don't like it because we enunciate our O's too much, so we're like duck duck goose. Like goose. Like a moose. Like duck duck. Like goose duck. In a boot. Like how they always make fun of us, so I think we were like, this game we can just play gray duck. That makes sense. This totally got Let's talk more about this. Oh my gosh. That's what Jay's going to preach on this next week. Yeah. Duck, duck, gray duck. i got to come up with something. I think we're good. Are you good? Are you good, Jay? Yeah. Goodbye. A post-Christian production.